0: Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Wenton, California. Good morning and welcome to worship. Let's begin this morning in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to join together in worship and to the study of your Word. And I would ask, Lord, that you will bless us with wisdom from on high, To see the truth in your word, to understand that truth, and apply, Lord, those truths into our lives so that we might honor you, that we might please you, and that, Lord, we will become more and more productive in the work of your kingdom. We thank you for those who've joined with us this morning, those that cannot join with us. We pray that, Father, you will be very real to them Uh, wherever they may be, in whatever activities they are involved with. May they know your presence with them and be comforted by that presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. In 1895, Clara H. Scott penned the words to an old hymn we used to sing when I was a boy. The lyrics to that hymn go like this. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes. Illumine me, spirit divine. Sight is very important to us. You only have to be without your sight for a day or two to realize just how important it is to be able to see. Most of us couldn't function very well without sight. But more important than having sight is having vision. And you may say, well, sight and vision are basically the same thing. And by definition, you would be right. Sight is the ability or the power to see. It is the perception of objects by the use of the eyes. Vision is also the power or the act of seeing. But a second definition of vision is the experience in which a person, event, or object appears vividly or credibly to the mind, although not readily seen with the physical eye. The vast majority of people have sight, not so many have vision, Helen Keller wrote, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. Sight without vision, Bernard Haynes writes, is a dangerous thing because it blinds your hope for a better future. Relying totally on what you see with your physical eyes can blind you from seeing your future possibilities, end quote. And Jonathan Swift wrote, quote, vision is the art of seeing what is invisible to others, end quote. That fits rather neatly into what I want to speak about this morning. I want to tell you the story of two men who could see, but only one had vision. One man could see with his physical eyes the danger that stood all around him. The other man could see what the first man saw, but he also saw through the eyes of faith what the other man could not see, the reality that stood around them both. One man saw the danger with his physical eyes. The other man saw the reality beyond the danger. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23, we find the story of these two men. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 8, reading through verse 23. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servant and said to him, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. This is not a story about military victory or political developments. It's a story about the difference between sight and vision. About being controlled by what we see physically or being controlled by what we envision transcendently. The underlying truth of this story is that armies are subordinate to political powers, but political powers are subordinate to the sovereignty of God. Armies are subordinate to political powers, but political powers are subordinate to the sovereignty of God. The story proves that one person who stands with God is more powerful than an army that stands against God. John tells us in 1 John 4, verse 4, He who is in you, speaking of Christ, speaking of God, speaking of the Holy Spirit, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now... Let me kind of read through this text again. And I want to point out two lessons that we can learn from this experience that Elijah and Gehazi, Elisha and Gehazi had with the Syrian army. But let me go back a little bit before the time of Elisha's ministry and point out that Elijah and Elisha, were two of the most well-known prophets of the Old Testament. Elijah was a man of very few words. His ministry was powerful and in your face. He didn't pull any punches with kings or commoners, and he spoke the word of God powerfully and without apology. At the end of his ministry, he was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Elisha succeeded Elijah as the prophet of God in the northern kingdom of Israel. Elisha was not as flamboyant in ministry as Elijah. He was more soft-spoken, though he did not back down when it came to speaking the word of God. He was more of a pastor than a fiery evangelist. And he ministered to the people rather than rebuking the people as Elijah did. Elisha performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. And he died in his own home after 60 years of ministry. So now, according to the text, Elisha and his servant, whom I suppose to be Gehazi... Elisha and Gehazi lived in Dothan, the town of Dothan, about 12 miles north of Samaria in the hills of Gilboa. The name Dothan means two wells. Two wells from which you would draw water. A thousand years earlier, Joseph's brothers threw him into one of those wells, then sold him to Ishmaelites that were headed for Egypt. These two wells still exist today in the ancient ruins of Dothan. One of them is named the Pit of Joseph. One day, the prophet Elisha, received word that King Ben-Hadad of Syria had been raiding the border towns of Israel. And he was laying a trap in a certain town to ambush King Jehoram of Israel. God revealed that plan to Elisha, who in turn spoke to King Jehoram about the plan to be ambushed. And he warned King Jehoram not to evacuate his soldiers from that certain town. And by doing this, he would then thwart the plan of King Ben-Hadad from capturing the king. Ben-Hadad learned of this and thought he had been ratted out by spies in his army. And in his rage, he demanded the spies be identified. One of Ben-Hadad's servants said that Elisha the prophet was the culprit who was informing King Jehoram of the plans to ambush. Ben-Hadad said that he wanted to meet this prophet... And so he sent his troops to Dothan by by night in order to capture the prophet Elisha by stealth. The next morning, Gehazi woke up very early in the morning and went outside. There he saw the army of Syria surrounding the town Of Dothan. He panicked, but Elisha did not. Which brings me to the first lesson in this story, and that lesson is this God is our all sufficient resource in times of crisis. God is our all sufficient resource. In times of crisis. There's really only one reason why Elisha was calm and cool in the face of the crisis that surrounded him. And that was the all-sufficiency of God. But what does that mean? It means that God has everything necessary to lead a man, woman, boy, or girl through whatever crisis they are facing if they put their faith and trust in him. God can lead any man, woman, boy, or girl through whatever crisis, whatever situation, whatever burden, whatever trial that they are facing, if they put their faith and trust in him. Elisha, when he saw The armies of Syria surrounding surrounding the, the town of Dothan did not panic like his servant Gehazi did. Why? Because of the truth that Isaiah the prophet spoke of in chapter 26 verses 3 and 4 of his book. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. Gehazi panicked. Elisha was at peace. Why? Because of the power of God that was in control of the entire situation you see god is omnipotent he has unlimited power and he can deal with the biggest problems that we will ever face if he can speak the universe and all of its contents into existence if he can destroy the earth by a flood if he can turn rivers into blood and rain fire down from heaven to destroy cities, then God can take care of a Syrian army. And God can also take care of any problem, any burden, any issue, any crisis that you and I will ever face if we put our faith and trust in him. Not only is God omnipotent, he's also omniscient. He knows all things and he possesses all wisdom. He knew Ben-Hadad was planning to ambush King Jehoram and he revealed it to Elisha who in turn revealed that to King Jehoram. God knows every thought and every motive of every human heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, the apostle writes in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God is aware of everything that goes on in his creation. What did Elisha say to Gehazi in verse 16? Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Gehazi saw an army of Syria about to slaughter them. Elisha saw the army of heaven that was about to save them. What is faith? We've spoken of this before. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, the apostle defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the foundation and the essence of our hope and assurance in Jesus Christ. It's the proof and the demonstration of the reality of what lies beyond us, what is spiritual and, eternity and eternal. God is all sufficient in his resources for any crisis that Elisha and Gehazi faced. And he is all sufficient in his resources for us in any time of crisis. Notice also that Gehazi stood out on the front porch of Elisha's house and he saw the brutal, ungodly army of Syria completely surrounding the town of Dothan. What did he do? He cried, Alas, my master, what shall we do? The English doesn't translate the Hebrew justly. Really what Gehazi cried out was, Oh, my Lord, we will never survive this it wasn't a question of what shall we do it was a statement of defeat oh my lord we will never survive this but what did Elisha do he calmly assured his servant that God was in complete control of the situation then he prayed Which brings me to the second lesson of this amazing story. And that is prayer is the key to peace in times of panic. Prayer is the key to peace in times of panic. Three times in this story, we find the prophet Elisha praying. And like the prayer of Asa... When he faced the army of Ethiopia, Elisha prayed prayers that were short, succinct, simple, and straightforward. Note his first prayer in verse 17 Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. he prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant Gehazi so that he may be able to see. Now Elisha saw the same thing that Gehazi saw, a murderous army completely surrounding them. But Gehazi did not see what Elisha saw, the host of heaven completely surrounding the army of Syria. In Psalm chapter 3 and verse 6, King David wrote, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. And in Psalm 27, verses 2 and 3, again, King David wrote, When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. In 2nd Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 7, Hezekiah prayed this prayer and encouraged his people when coming up against Sennacherib and the army of the Assyrians. He said, be strong and courageous, Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with them. For there are more with us than with them. He prayed the same prayer that Elisha prayed. He gave the same counsel that Elisha gave to Gehazi. Greater is he who is with us than he who is with them. Prayer is the key to peace in times of panic. Elisha and Gehazi, both of them, saw the Syrian army closing in on them. What did Elisha do? He prayed again. Look at verse 18. He prayed to the Lord, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. Immediately, the Syrian army was blinded by the power of God. But this was not total blindness. Otherwise, they would have not been able to follow Elisha 12 miles as he led them into the city of Samaria. It was a blindness like that of the blind man of Bethsaida in Mark chapter 8.24. When Jesus had spat and applied clay to his eyes, he asked, and what did he see? And the man said, I see men like trees walking around. That was the kind of blindness that uh, was that the army of Syria had been stricken with. It's kind of like watching a movie that's out of focus. You know something is going on, but you can't understand what's going on because you can't see the details. That was the kind of blindness that affected the Syrian army. And so, Elisha left his house and walked out to the commanders of the Syrian army. And he told them that they were not where they were supposed to be And they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. Can you imagine that? The boldness of the prophet. You're not where you're supposed to be, O commanders of the Syrian army. And you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then he led the entire army of Syria 12 miles south to the city of Samaria. Inside the city walls. When King Jehoram saw the army he saw an opportunity to destroy them as the enemy of God and the enemy of God's people but that was not God's plan. Elisha said you will not kill them. Would you kill those whom you've taken captive with your sword and your bow? In other words he said hey king Listen up. This is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. And he will not have you slaughter his prisoners of war. Instead, here's what you need to do, King you need to prepare a banquet for these soldiers. You need to set food and water before them that they can eat and drink and then go home to King Ben-Hadad. Now, I'll admit this is contrary to much of what we read in the Old Testament. What most people believe is that the God of the Old Testament is a bloodthirsty, vengeful, and merciless God, quite unlike the gracious, loving, and merciful Jesus Christ in the New Testament. But that's not true. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. They are one and the same. And we see this right here with how God treats the army of Syria. Again, the underlying truth of the story is that armies are subordinate to the political powers, but political powers are subordinate to the sovereignty of God. God wanted to impress his enemies with kindness and with hospitality. Didn't Jesus teach us in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. And then he said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44, verse 44, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And that's exactly what Elisha did. He prayed a third time. In verse 20, we read of his prayer, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. Now, I find in all of this something that's both amazing and profound. Prayer one Lord, let Gehazi see what he cannot see. What couldn't Gehazi see? He couldn't see God's protection. Prayer two Lord, let the Syrians not see. What they should see. And what should they have seen. That they were not permitted to see. God's plan. And the third prayer. Lord let the Syrians see. What they ought to see. And what ought they to have seen. God's provision. God is our all-sufficient resource in times of crisis. And prayer is the key to peace in times of panic. How so? Well, first of all, prayer gives wisdom for dealing with crisis. Prayer gives wisdom for dealing with crisis. Gehazi was in a panic when he saw the Syrian army surrounding him. But Elisha was at peace. God not only gave Elisha knowledge of Ben-Hadad's plan to ambush King Jehoram, he also gave Elisha knowledge of Ben-Hadad's plan to apprehend him. If God could save King Jehoram from an ambush, he most certainly would do the same for his prophet. That's Wisdom, knowledge applied to the situation. It's like Abraham, who while taking Isaac to be offered as a sacrifice before the Lord, said to his son when asked by his son, Father, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham responded, my son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. That's faith, but it's also wisdom. Abraham knew God would provide either a sacrifice to replace his son or would raise his son from the dead. Why? Because Isaac was the son God had promised to Abraham. Isaac was the son through whom Abraham would become the father of nations. Abraham knew God would not break his promise to him, to the future nation of Israel, or to the Savior who would come through him to the world. That's wisdom knowledge applied to the situation. Whatever crisis you're facing today, God is able to meet your need in the midst of that trouble. He will provide all that is necessary for you to see you through that trial so that you will become stronger and more fruitful in your faith, in your witness, And in your ministry. Second, prayer opens our eyes to spiritual reality. Prayer opens our eyes to spiritual reality. What's really going on in our world today? What do you really see happening all around us? Like Gehazi, do you see an evil army rising up to, ar- to harm you? Do you see the enemy closing in on the people of God? Or do you see what Elisha saw? The truth that lies beyond the trouble. The crisis was a test for Gehazi and he failed the test. He trusted in his inability to fight an overwhelming army. The situation was a test for Elisha. And he passed the test. He trusted in God's ability to defeat an overwhelming army. What do you see? today? What appears vividly or credibly to your mind, although you can't really see it with your physical eyes? What is it that you really see this morning? In other words, you see what the enemy is doing, but what do you see God doing Gehazi saw an army that was going to destroy him. Elisha saw an army that was going to save him. Third, prayer makes the impossible possible. Prayer makes the impossible possible. When the angel Gabriel told the young unmarried Mary that she was going to conceive and bear the Son of God, She said, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Gabriel said to her, with God, nothing will be impossible. Let me ask you this morning, how big is your God? How powerful is he? How wise is he? Opening one's eyes to see angels? and closing, then later on, reopening one's eyes to what is really real. These are impossible human feats. But they're not impossible with God. When you pray, do you ask God for the possible, or do you ask God for the impossible? Is God challenged with your prayers and with your petitions? When you pray for God to save a lost family member, for instance, when you pray to ask God for the salvation of a family member or a friend, do you realize that you're asking God to do the impossible? Do you realize you're asking God to open a person's eyes like Elisha? asked God to open Gehazi's eyes? You're asking God to make a person aware of the danger that he or she is facing without Jesus Christ, and then show that person the salvation that can only come through Jesus Christ? We can't do that. Only God can do that. We can share the gospel, we can explain the gospel, we can argue the gospel. But only God can open the eyes and the understanding of a person to the gospel. That's why it's so important for us. Not just in, in evangelizing the lost, but in ministry to uh, other people in general. It's, it's why it is necessary for us to pray that God will open their eyes before we ever attempt the ministry. Before we ever attempt the evangelistic effort before we ever attempt the missionary service, before we ever attempt the sermon that's to be preached or the lesson that is to be taught, we are to pray that God will open the eyes and the understanding because the preacher can't do that. The teacher can't do that. The missionary can't do that. The evangelist can't do that. Only God can open the eyes and the understanding of a person to the truth of his word. You may be facing some difficult times these days. Are you in panic mode? Or are you at peace with God and the situation? Don't panic. God delights in the difficult. God makes possible what is impossible. Don't give up. On God. Paul said, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Pray that God will open your eyes to the reality that lies behind the situation. Pray that God will open your eyes to see what he's doing and not just what the enemies of God are doing. August Conkel wrote, In the essentials of spiritual warfare, the present world is no different from the tortured, topsy-turvy world of Elisha. Christians in many different places are ravaged by the turbulence of war, just as the faithful in the days of Elisha. Where actual physical warfare is not present, Christians struggle against ideologies and social forces designed to undermine the rule of God in their world. The way of life God has ordained through his word for those created to represent him as his image. Quote. In other words, we are trying to fight a war in the flesh that we can never win. We are trying to encourage people to do what only God can do. Only God can control nations. Only God can control armies. Only God raises up empires and destroys empires. Only God has the power to deal with his enemies according to his plan. Our role is to continue to pray that God will open our eyes to the reality behind the crisis that we're facing. Only God has the power to open up our understanding to see that he is sovereign over all things that take place in our world. We're called to be like Jesus, faithful, confident, and assured that God will prevail no matter the situation. We're called to be like Elisha, to see beyond the situation, to the spiritual realities behind the situation. We know that God is all sufficient in every crisis to see us through the trouble. We know that, but what we need to be practicing is prayer. Our greatest tool as a Christian and as a Christian church is to pray that God will open our eyes and understanding. And that he will open the eyes and the understanding of others who are trying to force their will and their way upon the people of God. Elisha prayed three times open his eyes, shut their eyes, open their eyes. Because God and only God can do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Once again, we come face to face with the truth that you are the sovereign Lord of creation, the one true and living God, the one who provides, protects, and preserves your people so that you are honored and glorified, your people are blessed, and your kingdom advances. Lord, open our eyes to what we cannot see, And that is that you are the sovereign Lord of all creation and that you work all things for the good to those who love you and who are called according to your purposes. Open our eyes to Satan and his armies that may be all around us planning and preparing to destroy our efforts to lift up the name of Jesus. Open our eyes to see that they are no match For the heavenly host that surrounds us, so that the name of Jesus Christ is exalted in this community and in this state. Lord, let us not see what the enemy wants us to see, and that is that the resources of evil are many and varied, that the ministers of sin are powerful and overwhelming. That the power of hell is mobilized against us to defeat us. Rather, let us see what we ought to see. And that is, Jesus is still on the throne in control of his kingdom here on earth. Let us see what we ought to see. That is, your Holy Spirit working in us and through us to accomplish your will and purpose. That your word is still sharper than a two-edged sword and can defeat the enemy when we use it in faith. That your church will continue to be your church and will remain a beacon of hope to a lost and dying world until Jesus comes again. Father, thank you for the life and the ministry of Elisha. Thank you for his story in scripture we're encouraged by him we're inspired by him may we serve this generation with the truth of your word as he served his generation with that same truth all this i ask to the honor and to the glory of jesus christ your son amen may the lord god bless you with peace with protection and with his provision throughout the remainder of this day and this new week. Thank you. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him.